fantastic. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Donna. Let go my soul and trust in him. The wind and waves still know his name. Those words uh, from that song came to me on a really, really hard day this past summer, and it got me through. The wind and waves still know his name. I love that. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Let's pick up where we left off this morning. Sermon series entitled Resolution. Kind of playing on that word. This morning we talked about the important way that before you can resolve the conflict in your own self, you have to resolve your conflict with God. Your conflict is always with God. You feel like you're fighting yourself, maybe your spouse, maybe the whole world. But honestly, when you surrender to God, when you find peace with the Lord, you'll find peace everywhere else. It just sort of comes, but, but, but not without peace with Him. We talked about the difficulty of New Year's resolutions, how hard it is to change. Uh, we want to change, but we can't change. And that's that conflict inside of us. I, I want to, but I can't. I just want to, but I can't. We talked about the verse from 2 Peter chapter 1 where it says, By his divine power, we have received everything that we need for life and godliness. We received all of this when we came to know him. Everything we need. So truly, everything we need, he provides. So it shouldn't be so hard. He gives us all the power. He gives us everything we need to make the changes necessary. But yet still in our lives, we really, really struggle. Perhaps because we simply don't surrender to him, trust him. Uh, know him enough. Tonight, let's talk about money. Let's talk about financial resolutions. Many, many people were told when it comes time to make New Year's resolutions, their resolutions will have something to do with finances. We'll, we'll say having more. Um, many of us want to get out of debt. Many of us just wish we were had more discipline. Maybe we were able to give more, be more content, share more. One way or the other, money goals tend to be on a lot of people's mind this 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 time of year. I would argue that financial goals, that, that, that when it comes to our money, this is one of the places that most people will struggle to the greatest degree. And I wonder why you think that is. Why, why is money so difficult? Somebody with a lot of money tell us. Yeah. We feel like it's ours. Yeah, that, that money that, that we earn, we, we feel like it's ours. We worked for it, we earned it, or, or grandma gave it to me for my birthday, and therefore that's my money. Yeah, that, that's my money. And some of us get very, very protective, very protective of what we feel like belongs to us, our, our money. Yeah. Why else? Why is it so difficult for us to manage and deal with money? Walmart's not handing out money. They'll take it, but, but not a lot of people just handing it out. So money is something that we have to work to acquire. We have to somehow find the money, receive the money that we need to, to make it through our lives. It's, it's, it's a limited resource, but something that makes the world go around. We can't live without it. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. What else? Yeah, the scripture tells us that, that money is uh, the, the root of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, absolutely. And the devil knows that. So the money is something that the devil is able to leverage in order to win your heart. Yeah. Very interesting. In scripture, money is spoken of as a rival God. In other words, for most people, the number one rival for the place of God in your own life is money. That's why Jesus says no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and 
money of all things you can't serve both god and money so jesus himself defines money your financial life as a rival god this is one of the things you're most likely to give your heart to above and apart from god himself so money is a force money is power and scripture speaks of it that way and that's why it's so difficult for us i said this morning that our problem is we want to but we can't we literally don't have the power to change we, we, we simply don't we need power and god provides that power for us through christ that's what the gospel says but money's power too and that's what makes it such a difficult and seductive rival for god's place in our lives because money is power and we want power we need power and so for some of us the power that money promises becomes something we will absolutely fall down before and begin to worship let's, let's talk about the place of money in our lives from proverbs chapter 3 i'm going to start in verse 9 we left off at verse 8 this morning let me pick up at verse 9 and we're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter uh, kind of pull out the verses here that apply to money and then see how the other verses also inform us as we think about finances tonight proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 honor the lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. Good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold anybody buying that y'all y'all believe that wisdom is far more precious than rubies nothing you can desire can compare with her she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left she will guide you down delightful paths all her ways are satisfying Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. <coughs> By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. Are y'all seeing the theme here? They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Let's stop there. If we can get through that much, we'll, we'll be doing pretty well. Back to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first part of everything you produce. What does that mean? To honor God with your wealth. First off, who's got wealth? Who's wealthy? All of us. Yeah, all of us. So let's just clear that out. Well, wealthy isn't just like, you know, Donald Trump. We're, we're talking about Larry Mercer too. Yeah, all of us. Absolutely all of us have wealth. All right, so let's start there. How do I honor the Lord with my wealth? 
Yeah, give it back to him freely, Teddy says. Give it back to him. How do I give it back to him? Yeah, we talk about tithes and offerings here, here at church. I want to be really, really careful. I never want to pastor a church with a Pharisee's win. Understand? And I never want to pastor a church or lead a church in such a way where we become legalistic. And very, very quickly, the talk of tithing becomes legalistic. So I don't want to walk into that, into that territory. But at the very same time, the principle of giving back to God, not what's left over, but the first, that's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and give him the first part of everything you produce, the best part, the first part. Which is to say that when, when I receive any kind of wealth, any kind of financial gain, I must consider what part of that goes back to God. Why do I give any of it back to him? What's the use of that? He gave it to me, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, my son's going to go out or he's going to pay for college or whatever, and I give him a little bit of money. How many times ever he said, well, here, here, Dad, let me just give you some of this back. Never happened. I gave it to him, so he assumes dad must, must want me to have that. Yeah, he's never said, oh, that's way too much, way too much, dad, here, here. No, no, no. So what's the principle? Why are we giving God back what he gives to us? Well, why give the first part back? I mean, the, the first, it says. Yeah, it, it's not so much the fact that God wants our money. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. And, and let's make it clear, church doesn't want your money either. It, it's not about money. It's about hearts. It's about hearts. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so when it comes to our financial life, giving is a discipline that we have to master. We have to learn how to be givers. Otherwise, in life, you just become a getter. Understand? And it's very, very dangerous when in your financial life you only think of yourself as a getter. Now, now let's be honest, a whole lot of our financial life is about getting. As Scott said, you have to work. I mean, we all need money and we go to work every single day because we got to get some. We have to get some. But the question becomes, what kind of a getter are you? What kind of a getter? I think there are two kinds. First kind I would call the Velcro getter. Y'all know about Velcro? Velcro fun? I don't remember at what point I, I first discovered Velcro, but man, it's just like, man, it sticks. I, I love it. It's, just, it, it, it's amazing, um, amazing stuff. Velcro sticks. It, it sticks, good Velcro sticks really, really good too. And some of us are Velcro getters. In other words, everything that comes our way, it sticks. I mean, it is ours. We hold on to it. We don't turn loose of it. And that's not necessarily the, the, the godly way that we're supposed to handle finances because it's not so much that you get money. The problem becomes when money gets you. When, when your heart belongs to your wealth, to your riches, when you begin to find your glory in, in money, when you begin to find your security in the amount of money in your bank account. And a lot of us get very, very close to that. We're, we're Velcro getters. It, it, it comes to us and, and we hoard it. We hang on to it. There's Velcro. There's also in my lifetime what they call Teflon. What's Teflon? Nothing sticks. Maybe now we'd say silicone. Yeah, it's slick. Yeah, 
Teflon skillet, man. I remember the first time my mama brought a Teflon skillet into the house. Man, you could make a grilled cheese sandwich, and, and, and it didn't stick. It, it wouldn't stick. It would burn, but it wouldn't stick. Understand, it just slides right around. And we need to learn how to be a little more Teflon when it comes to what comes to us in, in our getting. We need to learn how to receive what God gives us, but not necessarily to, to think of it as something to hold on to. It's not supposed to take root in your heart. You understand? So it's about getting. It's always about getting. But we have to continue to train ourselves to be givers because most of us are not natural givers. We're natural getters. My wife's in the nursery tonight. Head on down to the nursery and just pay attention. Those kids are natural getters. What's the first word most children learn to say? Mine. Yeah, mine. Absolutely. They Velcro getters back there. But we're supposed to grow past that so that it's not about mine. It's not about holding on to what is mine. It's learning how to let go. So giving is, is a spiritual discipline, not so much because God wants your money back and not so much because the church needs your money. God will always provide everything that we need to do his will around here. It's, it's not that the church needs your money. Let's be clear. But you need to learn how to give. One way or the other, you've got to break the back of, of, of greed in your life. And giving is the way to do that. And it is truly a beautiful thing. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first part of everything you produce. Verse 10, then he will fill your barns with grain. Jackpot, ka -ching! You get that? And your vats will overflow with good wine. We're Baptists, so we don't even include that part. But, but the other part about barns with grain, we get that. That's, that's your bank account, right? So here you go. Here's the bargain. You, you tithe. You, you give your money back to God. And he'll just keep on giving you money. It's like winning the lottery. Is, is that how it works? I was afraid that's what y'all was going to say. What does this mean? You mean I'm going to honor the Lord with my wealth and he's not going to fill my barns with grain? How do you read this verse? Well, I've honestly had friends who, who took these Proverbs very, very literally. They would take that verse as a promise. And so they would talk about seed money. You know, seed money. You, you put some seed money out there and God's going to multiply it. I had a roommate in college who was believing God for a Corvette. Seriously, from verses like this, a Corvette, because he said that that would bring glory to God because people would look at him and know he doesn't work, and yet he drives a Corvette. They think, well, it must be God. No, that's true. I didn't make that up. Didn't make it up. That's the way some people, that's their theology, that God is a God who loves to make us rich. You don't have to turn very many channels to find somebody preaching that. From verses like this, is this what this means, that God's going to make me rich? Once he finds out that I'll give, that I'll, that I'll be a tither, he's going to make me rich? Yeah, yeah, Jack, that was actually a really good little sermon right there. Jack says that it goes back to that principle of honoring God with your wealth. And if your heart, if your desire is just to have it for yourself, that's not God honoring. You're not fulfilling this verse. So that's actually really, really good preaching there, Jack. That's excellent. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It's not even just about giving it away. It's also about what you do with what you keep. 
You have to honor God with what God gives to you. Verse 10, I remind you, it's a proverb. It's not necessarily a promise. Now, God does bless those who walk in the paths of obedience. There's no question about that. That's literally true. That's the promise. He blesses us. But it's very, very short-sighted of you and me to think that the greatest blessing would be more money. If money and the love of money is truly the root of all kinds of evil, then what kind of a, a really, really good God would he be if he just continued to pour it on us? Maybe money is not the most valuable thing in the world. Maybe getting a whole lot of it would not be a blessing for you. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain. Your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, verse 11, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. If we were to still be talking about our financial lives, how would God discipline me or correct me when it comes to the way I handle the, the money that, that passes through my hands? How would God discipline me or correct me when it comes to money? He could take it away. Yeah, sometimes we could be disciplined with, with poverty. Yeah, when God is trying to train us to teach us how to keep the proper place of money in our lives, maybe the best way to do that is to withdraw it. Yeah, so that you have to learn to depend on him and trust in him. So maybe sometimes these lean times we go through are, are times intended to teach us that our security, our, our, our faith is to be placed in him and not in our wealth. So God can teach us really good lessons by, 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 by taking money away. Would he ever try to teach us a lesson with, 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 by giving it to us? Is there any test involved in that? What's that, Donna? Yeah, so that's a test too. Sometimes when you receive this great blessing of, of money, money you didn't expect or more money than you ever thought you could earn, don't you understand? That's a test too. You're supposed to honor the Lord with all of your wealth. So when you get any at all, that in itself is, is an opportunity. It, it's a test. It, it is the time for you to learn how to honor him with it. He's like a father that loves his children. A father corrects a child in whom he delights. A financial life is one of the places where you and I probably need the most correction of all. We're just not very teachable. Not, not very teachable at all. Verse 13, I love how this kicks in. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. We were just talking about money, right? Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. And her wages are better than gold. Now, let's just say the next payday rolls around. When is that for you, Friday or end of the month? Let's say you walk in and your boss says, you know, Doris, we just decided that, that this time around, instead of paying you in actual wages, we're just going to let you glean all the wisdom that you can from having worked here. We'll pay you in wisdom. And you would say, thank you, because that's so much more valuable than, than wages of gold and silver. Th thank you, because that's, you know, that'll buy my groceries. What does it mean? Wisdom is more valuable, and it just keeps piling it on, piling it on. Like jewels around your neck, more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. 
All right, what is wisdom? What's wisdom? We sometimes make a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. You can get knowledge from books, but wisdom is always a gift from God. Wisdom comes from God, this kind of wisdom. What is wisdom? It's very important in the Proverbs. Wisdom is the God-given ability to make good decisions. It just kind of boils down to that, this God-given ability to make wise decisions. So what makes wisdom so valuable, more valuable than all the money that you could possibly ever earn? Wisdom matters more. The God-given ability to make good decisions. What makes wisdom so valuable? Precious. Because it's rare. Yeah, just take a look down your pew right now, y'all. You'll feel like the richest person in Yeah, you, you, you can't buy wisdom, and without wisdom, with all the money in the world, you, you may not necessarily get anywhere in your life. Yeah. They say, and I, I double-checked this before I say it to you, uh, Shaquille O'Neal made his first million. You know, he's, he's you know, like a quadrillionaire now, but it, he, he made his first million. He spent his first million dollars he made in 30 minutes. He spent a million dollars in 30 minutes. I mean, that's, you know, have you seen people like that? I mean, money runs through them like poop through a goose. I mean, it's just, I mean, how could you, how could you spend a, a million dollars in 30, I mean, what would you do? Where would you even go? Like dollar store? I mean, he's shopping somewhere I don't go. A million dollars in 30 minutes. Yeah. I understand that since that time, he has gained more wisdom in how to manage his money. But, but starting out, he was uh, more money than, than, than wisdom. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. Yeah. Wisdom is valuable because it is one of those things that comes only from God. By wisdom, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth. Wisdom is an attribute of God, an attribute that he shares with us, with everyone who asks. Wisdom comes from God. So notice how very, very smoothly the passage goes from the importance and value of wisdom to the complete security that we have in the Lord. As I said, money's power. Money's power, and it is a rival God for a lot of us, and therefore it is money in which we find our security. That's why they call it social security. How much security is in that, y'all? For that matter, how much security is in your, your retirement account or all of the money that, that you can put away? I mean, 
a lot of us really put our security in the money that we have because we trust that power, that power that money gives us. It will buy us a good nursing home one day or it'll pay for our cancer treatments when we need those. It'll pay for our funeral. I mean, we think of money as the power that we have to have in order to finish out of our lives, but that's not what the scripture teaches. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked because you have a friend in all state. Is that what it says? You're in good hands with all state. I mean, no. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked for the Lord is your security. Yeah, the, the, the Lord is your security. A couple more. Verse 27. Y'all going to be my friend after we read this one? Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. You found a loophole in that verse already, didn't you? You found a loophole. You feel better already, don't you? Because you found a loophole. What's the loophole in verse 27? Those who deserve it. Yeah. 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 I'll help anybody who deserves it. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? I'll help them if they deserve it. They just need to prove themselves worthy to me. I will help everybody who deserves my help. Okay, can anybody defeat that loophole? Because it looks pretty solid. Those who deserve it. Who deserves your help? Well, people who work as hard as you do, right? I'll help the people that help themselves. People who deserve it. Now, I deserve what I have because I work for it. But I'm not so sure I should share it with you. You don't even work. I help you once you get up, get out, do something for yourself. I mean, who deserves it? Hebrew says, it won't help you, but the Hebrew says, uh, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due. It's a whole idea that they have it coming to them. Don't withhold help from those who have it coming to them. So who deserves your help? The ones that God puts in our lives and we know that they need help? Yeah. Mark Rickenbach says everybody. How does everybody deserve what I have, Mark? The last time I looked around, I was working at a desk by myself. Yeah, aren't we glad that in God's economy, things don't just trickle down to the people who deserve it? Yeah. Yeah, I have to be really honest and say, I'm not sure I deserve what I have. I know I don't. I don't understand why I am able, as all of you, to live in houses and enjoy food. I mean, we just had Christmas, y'all. We all wasted more. We spent more on wrapping paper that we all threw out in the trash than a lot of people will make this year around the world. You know that? You spent more on wrapping paper than a lot of families have for food. And you thought nothing of it. So if we're going to talk about who deserves things, we have to very, very quickly understand that we are greatly blessed beyond what we deserve. And so when it comes right down to it, if you're talking about who, 
who deserves our help or who is it to whom we owe help. I'm a little bit with Mark Rickenbach. I, th I think everybody. It's not so much that they need to owe me something. It's more my recognition that, that, yeah, if I have it in my hand and you need it, I probably owe it to give it to you. I kind of owe it to you to give it to you. Don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power. Understand? I've been seeing all night long that in the scriptures, money is power. And, and what you have in your possessions, in your bank account, y'all, that's power. It's real power. Power. And it is power to greatly change and affect the lives of other people. You have that power to make a real difference in the lives of other people, other families, other men who deserve it just like you deserve it, and other women who want to feed their children, take care of their babies just like you do. And the fact that you have it and the fact that they don't, it may put you in the situation where you really do kind of have a debt to pay. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to help them. You have power to help people, so use your power and help people. If you can help your neighbor now, verse 28, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and I hope you tomorrow. Yeah. Why would you say come back tomorrow? I mean, if I, if I got it in my pocket and somebody says I need it, why would I say come back tomorrow? Because I'm what? Hoping, I'm hoping they'll find Willie Ray before tomorrow, you know, find Willie Ray on the way back to me tomorrow. If I can just put them off, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe tomorrow they won't need it. Yeah, it's still my way of trying to hold on to what I have. Come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. I'll help you tomorrow. Don't do that, the scripture says. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and, and, and then I'll help you. You know, bottom line, most of us read these verses and we read them from the position of power. We read them from the position of the people with the money. If you were reading it from the other side, if you're the person in the house tonight who really, really needs help, and you need help tonight, then you would have no problem whatsoever understanding why it's important to help tonight when you need it tonight. It's those of us who have it, who really have forgotten what it is to need well, we think, we figure they can wait. They can, they can wait till tomorrow. You didn't get yourself in this mess overnight, so I don't think I need to help you overnight either. You know, that's how we think. And man, I, I promise you, when it's you or me, when we're in the situation of really, really needing help and we're talking to our neighbor who could help us, we're really going to help. They just help us tonight because we're going to need it tonight, you, you know? It's just sort of remembering what, what it's like to, to be in the situation of really needing to ask for help. It's hard to do. But when it's in your power to help somebody, Scripture makes it really, really plain. You help. You help. And, and you do it as soon as you can. If it's in your pocket, it's in your power, you just help them. There's so much more that the Bible would say, so much more that Dave Ramsey would say about financial peace and, and financial management. I remind you that FPU starts next Wednesday night. If you want to dig more deeply into getting a grip on your finances and getting out of debt, then join us in FPU next Wednesday night. My wife, Casey Harris, is teaching that class. Uh, be a part of that. This really could be a way that you begin to, uh, begin to honor God with, with your finances. Start with FPU. Some of you aren't going to do that, won't do that. You feel like that's not where you are. But 
come back to Scripture, understand how very, very important it is that you practice the discipline of giving. Uh, you got the getting part down pretty good, I think. Um, learn how to turn loose of it and find your trust in the Lord, your security in Him. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we are surrounded by people in need. We don't think about it, most of us, and we don't see them, honestly, because we have learned not to see them. When we see them, we feel guilty. We feel guilty for what we have and what we keep and what it is so difficult for us to turn loose of, Lord. Most of us could be really, really generous, Lord. We could give so much and we'd never even miss it. We could empty out our closet. We could empty out our pantry. We would just fill it back up again, Lord. We could empty out our bank account and we would continue, Lord, to make deposits, Lord. We hang on to this as if somehow we're afraid that there is somehow a limited supply. Lord God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you own the hills too. And you are our source. You will not ever leave us out there begging for bread, Lord. You're going to take care of us. So why is it that we continue to try to find our security in money? Teach us how to trust you, Lord. Teach us how to value all the things money can't buy. Teach us how to find our glory in you and our security in you. Understand the value there is in just common sense and wisdom. Lord, most of us will get up early in the morning and go to work. We work to earn money. Help us, Lord, to honor you as we go to work tomorrow. Help us to acknowledge you on that path we take tomorrow with coworkers. All the money that we earn, Lord, in the process, may we honor you in the way we spend it, in the way we save it, in the way we give it away. God, you are the one who takes care of us. Help us to honor you with everything. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. Let's close with